the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Politics, always a fascinating topic on The Bruce Hooley Show. Local politics, state politics, and politics intersects health when we talk about masks and kids and what's allowed by the state, what's prohibited by the state. And I thought it'd be a great time for us to check in with my friend Rob Walgate from the American Policy Roundtable. You can find Rob and uh, all their programming online at thepublicsquare.com. We've got Bruce Vanderhoff today, Rob, head of the Ohio Department of Health saying that uh, they'd like to see kids 12 and under in masks in schools. So here we go again. I know you guys and uh, myself are advocates of those decisions being made locally, which the state still says can happen. But what's your view of the state now seeming to side with uh, wearing masks in schools this fall? Well, I think they should be made locally. And when I say locally, I mean inside the home of each and every family. The parents should have a say on what their healthy children are going to do or not going to do. Um, I look at it from my perspective as the father of two children. My kids didn't wear masks to their school one day last year, mm. and it wasn't because I wanted to be some anti-mask zealot or my wife wanted to be that way. It was because we consulted with medical professionals. We talked to our children's doctor, and we said, hey, what should they be doing? And they said they should be going to school without masks on. So that's how we came to that decision. And um, Bruce, when this all started, it was to flatten the curve. It was to keep people off ventilators and keep people out of hospitals. And we've gotten to the point quickly of no one can get sick ever again. Yeah, it has been. And we also are in a situation where not every school is going to accommodate uh, parental choices like you and your wife made because Columbus City Schools, Cleveland City Schools, Cincinnati City Schools, Dublin City Schools have all instituted these mass mandates. What uh, For people who say, well, wait a minute, didn't Ohio make a law against that? Tell us where we stand with the laws right now in terms of mask mandates and in terms of vaccine mandates. Well, you know, they mandated, they passed a law that says that public schools cannot mandate vaccines. Now, that law doesn't go to effect till mid-October because the governor signed it and there's mm-hmm. a lag period of 90 days. We know all that. Um, some places are still enforcing it. You look at Cleveland State, they say if you want to live in the dorms, you have to have a vaccine. They understand they can't enforce that after mid-October. When it comes to these mask mandates, like they did last year, that came from the director of the Department of Health, when the General Assembly overrode the governor's veto, Senate Bill 22, that that put some checks and balances in play. That took away some of the power from the director of the Department of Health because at that point, whatever the director of the Department of Health put on paper and said goes, goes. Now the General Assembly can hold the director accountable and can have just need a majority vote to rescind any type of order that comes down through that. Now, when it comes to local places and local school boards, they may put that into play, but parents still have exemption opportunities 
in this state. They've had it for vaccines for a long time. They say vaccines are mandatory, but parents have always had the opt-out in those situations. Rob Walgate is our guest. He is the vice president of the American Policy Roundtable, and you can find their programming and their research materials online at thepublicsquare.com, thepublicsquare.com. The governor, I thought it was odd when he signed the bill, signed the law, saying that there could be no vaccine mandates. It almost seemed like he was saying, oh, but by the way, you can require it uh, for the first part of the school year until the 90 day thing takes effect. It was almost like he signed a law that he either didn't really want to sign or didn't believe in. That was my take on it. Did I misread it? Well, what a shock. Governor DeWine (laughs) is trying to bully people. And he's done that throughout the entire pandemic when he, you know, he told uh, pastors and churches that they were still able to meet. But he didn't think anyone, and you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth. He basically said no one in good conscience would meet during this time. I mean, he kind of tried to guilt people into what he wanted to do in those situations. And he's doing the same thing when he signed the vaccine law. The reason he signed it is because he knew if he vetoed it, once again, his veto would have been overridden by the General Assembly. The General Assembly that represents all Ohioans by 99 state representatives and 33 state senators. It's just not one person making a decision. And for far too long, we've had one person, Mike DeWine, sitting at a table surrounded by people that no one's willing to disagree or step away from him and and say something different and come out with these orders that have made us all scratch our heads. Yeah, and I think, Rob, one of the things I'm grateful for is I read the news accounts of the uh, stories today about the recommendation that, kids wear masks in schools it does still it seems like the one departure from this approaching school year to last school year is that all the state people right now appear to be coming down squarely on the side of we need kids in schools so i suppose i should be grateful for that we're not going to try to make kids learn through zoom or remote learning this year but i just think that we're not still calculating enough the psychological impact on young people being unable to see their friends' faces, their teachers' smiles. It yeah. really detracts from body language, and I don't think it's healthy. I haven't seen a definitive study out there that masks make enough of a difference. Have you seen a study like that? No, I haven't. And I'll tell you what, if all these schools want to pass any type of rule or any type of mandate to tell the kids what they can and cannot do as it relates to vaccines and masks, here, I have a simple solution, and I know it's one you've talked about on your show many a times. Just let the money fall to the child and let every parent decide where they want to send their kid to school. Yes, that would solve all this. Yeah, it That sure would open it up. And if you want to send your kid to the local school and that's what they're doing, great. The problem is we have too many families that are tied to their child's education based on the zip code they can afford to live in. And that's not right. And it shouldn't happen that way. And because you're stuck in a certain school district, you have very limited options in this state. We're fortunate. In Ohio, we have more options than some states. But I would like to see the parents have the ultimate option and have ultimate say on where they want to send their child, regardless of circumstance. Rob Olgate is our guest. He's vice president of the American Policy Roundtable. And one of their endeavors is called iVoters, which is a nonpartisan look at uh, political races, political issues, those kinds of things. You guys were on the forefront of being involved in the school choice uh, decision at the Supreme Court level in the state of Ohio. 
years ago. We've got some very interesting political situations developing in the state of Ohio, Rob. One here in central Ohio with uh, Congressional District 15, formerly held by Steve Stivers. Got a primary coming up on August 3rd. It's chock full of Republican candidates. And the last I checked, only 2,000 people had voted early. So I don't know what kind of turnout we're going to get. We've got a Donald Trump-endorsed candidate in Mike Carey. We've got a couple other candidates in Bob Peterson and Jeff LeRae who are spending a ton of money. A couple other candidates who I think are really intriguing uh, conservatives, Omar Tarazi and Hilliard, Ruth Edmonds, uh, former head of the NAACP. So uh, Congressional District 15, I think, is an interesting race to watch. Do you have thoughts on how that might shake out or what you've observed so far? Well, I know there's people around the country that are watching that race. And the interesting thing as well is we're talking about a race in Congressional District 15 in Ohio that currently has 16 congressional districts. Well, because of the census, we know that that's going, 16 is going to go down to 15. So the race that we're talking about today will, in the near future, not even look like that district, we don't think. It'll all be maneuvered and moved around because they're going to have to consolidate. So I also will be on the state of Ohio to see how these districts are to be drawn. We have uh, a new amendment that was passed for uh, this purpose on how we draw legislative districts, both at the state level and the federal level. So uh, while this may be a short tenured move uh, in Congress for one of these candidates, it will still attract the attention of the nation. You know, Robert, uh, American Policy Roundtable, I know you guys keep your eye on the entire state. Uh, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on the way Anthony Gonzalez, the former Ohio State Buckeye, he's a name people here in central Ohio know, even though he doesn't represent their district, how he's been treated since his vote to impeach Donald Trump. I didn't agree with the vote, but I also am not comfortable with him being targeted to the point that he is because I think he has a lot of potential on the conservative side as a Cuban-American guy who I think could be an attractive candidate for a much bigger office than U.S. Congress in future years. I'd hate to see him flip to the Democratic Party. I think he's got a future in politics. Your thoughts on how Gonzo's been treated and targeted specifically by President Trump in his rally up in Northeast Ohio a few weeks ago? Well, there's no doubt they've went after him uh, and and already in announcing it few candidates have come to the forefront. Obviously, that rally was held to support Max Miller, says he's running against Anthony Gonzalez. Again, the big thing is, though, we're talking about the 16th congressional district. There won't be a 16th congressional district. Mm -hmm. And what will the district look like that Gonzalez will try and represent in the future? And the same with Max Miller running. I mean, what will that district look like? Will it be fractured? Um, But people have went after Anthony Gonzalez very, very... Um, I would say with a targeted-like approach um, in attacking him and wanting him removed from office. And, and that's why you've seen people come out early and come out often in trying to, to make a name for themselves and, and get, get him out of Washington. Yeah, they've hit him like the Michigan defense never could, that's for sure. Uh, our guest is Rob Walgate, American Policy Roundtable. Check out their website, thepublicsquare.com thepublicsquare.com. We'll wrap up with this one. We've got a longer lead up to the Senate primary in Ohio for Rob Portman's seat. Uh, That is next May. No shortage again of candidates. No shortage of money. J.D. Vance, Bernie Moreno's working very hard as a popless feel to his campaign. You got Jane Timken with all the money behind her. Josh Mandel, a lot of money behind him. You got J.D. Vance with a little 
Electricity, a little buzz from Hillbilly Elegy, his book. Your thoughts on the chase to, A, hold that seat for the Republican Party and, uh, you know, handicap it for us a little bit with some of those candidates that I mentioned? Well, what was interesting is if you watch Donald Trump speak in Wellington, I didn't think, of course, I think he went off script. You don't think he's going to mention names in this primary because um, you have so many, as you mentioned, Timken, Mandel, Vance, Moreno. Who am I leaving out? I'm leaving out the fifth one. I know there's five. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and that was an accident. It was like a brain freeze to leave out the five. So I'm not intentionally leaving out the fifth, but that's what happens when you start talking about all these people. Well, Donald Trump, when he did that, he left out J.D. Vance. And then when he started saying their names and he mentioned Jane Timken, you heard audible booze. I think that caught the president by surprise. I think he kind of like looked around and was like, whoa, I wasn't anticipating that. But that's what he heard. So I think this race, you notice he hasn't endorsed anybody. I don't think he wants to endorse anyone um, for fear they may not pull off the victory. And there's no need to endorse anyone this far out. The only reason he endorsed Max Miller against Anthony Gonzalez is because it didn't matter who was running against Anthony Gonzalez. Donald Trump was going to endorse him. I mean, that was a given. No doubt. He didn't want to be tied to Anthony Gonzalez. So when it comes to this U.S. Senate race in Ohio, um, the Republicans – should be able to hold the seat. But I also think the top of the ticket will be considered the gubernatorial race. And the question becomes, who's at the top of the ticket? Can Mike DeWine hold off primary challengers? Mike DeWine's given the Democrats everything they've wanted during this pandemic, basically. How could they have asked for What more could they have asked for? Yeah, I don't know. I've said before that I'm not sure Jim Renacci is the candidate to beat Mike DeWine, but I think Mike DeWine will have a harder fight in the primary than he will in the general because he'll get a fair amount of Democratic crossover votes. I don't think Nan Whaley is the kind of a candidate that could beat Mike DeWine head up, given the fact that DeWine is, has, as you said, very friendly to the Democratic viewpoint throughout the lockdowns and the way he's legislated during the pandemic. Yeah, that's the question that needs to be asked. Well, it certainly bears watching. It'll be fascinating. And the publicsquare.com is where you guys will be discussing it in your various podcasts and in blogs. Rob Walgate, Vice President of American Policy Roundtable. Thanks for your time today, Rob. Thanks for having me, Bruce. Well, the Columbus City Council is probably going to approve the contract with the Division of Police that officers have overwhelmingly approved. Has a nice pay raise in it, 14% over the next three years. An officer who's on the force for three years will be making a minimum of $100,000. They're also offering big buyouts to officers who've been there 25 years or more. A one-time buyout offer of two hundred grand each offered to up to 100 officers at the commander level or above. So this is clearly meant to uh, thin the ranks of those who may be hard to convince that new chief Elaine Bryant's way is the right way. Uh, that will cost the city about $20 million if all of those eligible take it upon themselves to take the money and go police somewhere else. Uh, Mayor Andrew Ginther says this is the most progressive contract in city's history, which of course would be a reason to hate it. What I was most concerned about from the officer's perspective was that the civilian Oversight Review Board would have far too much authority. And while they will have 
a fair amount of authority. Uh, they cannot discipline officers. That is, to me, uh, something that would have been a deal breaker for the officers in the division if these people who have never been police do not know policing would have tried to be sitting in judgment of their actions out in the heat of battle. Uh, so they also cannot investigate criminal investigations. So uh, I think overall a fairly good contract for the officers. This will help to rebuild some of the culture within the department, some of the enthusiasm about being a police officer. I think that the pay should allow them to attract better candidates. They might get better applicants. Uh, I'm hopeful that Elaine Bryant can make transformative decisions. I'm just skeptical of anyone that Andrew Ginther would hire. Uh, Maybe Elaine Bryant is a rock star. Maybe she's phenomenal. Maybe she can tell Andy Ginther what he wants to hear, Shannon Harden what he wants to hear, and then once she gets into the division, she can take it over and not totally discount what the mayor has to say. I'm not, you know putting forth the idea that insubordination is the way to go. But she's been a cop a long time. I hope she's not a woke cop. We have to get to the point where we get away from these silly policies like the juvenile court judges put forward. Oh, don't send those carjacking kids into the system. You'll teach them how to be criminals. Well, now we are seeing more brazen, I don't mean more brazen than carjacking, I just mean additionally brazen behavior downtown with SUVs and 4x4s and all this stuff, pulling wheelies and speeding around city streets. That's going to put, if not the operator, then pedestrians in danger and maybe even motorists in danger. The human nature is to push the envelope. And if you are someone who trends toward um, behavior that is outside the bounds of propriety, beyond the pale of normal societal behavior, what's uh, appropriate for polite company. If you're prone to color outside the lines, then sparing you punishment or consequences for coloring outside the lines is going to encourage more behavior that you're trying to get away from. It is not as if people are going to commit small crimes and say, well, I didn't get punished for that, so I guess I better stop while I'm ahead. Or, well, that just satisfied my urge to commit petty theft. I think I'll just forget that whole idea about carjacking someone or stealing their car or breaking into their house and committing armed robbery. That holds no allure for me anymore. (laughs) I mean, who thinks this way? Only wackos think this way. There is only and will always be only one cure for preventing crime, and that is certain stringent punishment. Certain stringent punishment. That's the only way. The only cure for more crime is more cops and more consequences. That's it. So if Elaine Bryant can make Andrew Ginther understand that, Phenomenal. If this new contract brings us better police officers, better able to interact with the community, 
and diffuse volatile situations. Fantastic. It's worth it. It's worth it. I think it's great that a police officer, three years into the job, can make $100,000. They're not overpaid. Want to take your life in your hands every day? They do. They need to be appreciated. You see one out and about, thank them for being on the front lines and protecting you, me, and the people that we love. Now, Mike Lindell is always topping himself in terms of technology, in terms of products, in terms of offers. Your Giza Dream bed sheets are amazingly comfortable, soft, softer seemingly every time we wash them and put them back on the bed, and you can get one set free when you buy a set. Now, Mike Lindell, he's definitely into soft and comfort. The My Pillow is comfortable. The My Slippers are phenomenally comfortable. They're 40% off. But the My Pillow towel set is the newest. You get two washcloths, two hand towels, and two bath towels for $39.99. That is a savings of more than 60%. You can order it at mypillow.com, 800-856-9340, 800-856-9340, or mypillow.com. Don't forget the My Pillow, $29.99. It is amazing. Or you can do it online at mypillow.com using the promo code always Bruce. Always use that promo code Bruce. We look at your money next with our friend Josh Pick at the top of the hour. 